Hey, how's it going? Tommy Taylor here. And I'm Desnica, and welcome to the Marriage 2.0 podcast. couple that went through just about everything bad someone can go through in marriage quadruple times over and came out more in love than ever and using our story to inspire and give hope to the world. Since we've come out of our version of hell on earth, we have built a global marriage coaching business mentoring hundreds of couples and individuals all around the world. We've helped them fix issues like affair recovery, communication, intimacy issues, addictions, and all forms of abuse when no one else could. We've gone through all of these things plus so much more, so we get it. We tried everything out there from counseling, therapy, intensives, webinars, hundreds of books, and even tactics like Slow to Speak, Quick to Listen. And the truth is, all of those things were just band-aids that left us on an emotional roller coaster from hell. We truly believe that when you couple a heart for God and a strong desire for massive action, anything is possible. But honestly, most of us are never given the right knowledge. The Marriage 2.0 podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, sports, health, entertainment, and finance in order to help you live the purpose-filled life God designed for you so that you can live an inspiring life filled with more freedom, love, and impact. So get ready to learn the stuff that no one ever taught you about marriage. Your old marriage is dead and marriage 2.0 starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode. So today we're going to be talking about really a statement that Desnica used to say that annoyed the living crap out of me and frustrated the heck out of me, honestly. I don't know. Me, I, I'm not annoying or frustrating whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It was just basically how it was just unfair why she was the one that had to work on it when it came to like meaning like two in addition to me. Like I was the one that should have worked on it, right? Yes. It was a big statement that I would say. I'm like, why do I have to work on it? You need to work on things like you. It's you. And honestly, like this is a common statement we hear all the time. We hear it all the time. There's typically been a big event that's happened in the marriage, you know, and the one who didn't do that said big event. So whether it be a fair, you know, a big drunken blow up, um, a big like yelling, screaming, belittling match, whatever it may be, the one... Yeah, and it may not even be like a, a big event necessarily. It may just be a consistent crap over time that that person has done basically too. Mm-hmm. And it's the one who who isn't the one who did that like said thing, right? So they're the ones who didn't step out and have an affair. They're the ones who doesn't have a drinking problem. They don't feel like they have an addiction problem of any sort. Or, you know, they're they're the ones who, you know, aren't belittling and things like that. So they're like, well, if I'm the one who's not doing that or didn't do that, then why should I be the one to have to fix things? And, you know, it is a really common statement and it is a thought and one that I apparently had struggled with. There's full transparency there, but you know, they, you know, they didn't do it. So like, why, you know, why do I need to work on things? Yeah. And honestly, the, the other side of the perspective here is oftentimes like, even though, you know, Obviously, I did do things that were very destructive to the marriage. We both did. But like one of the things there was that like when it comes down to it, I was the fr- I was also frustrated because I was like, you know, I don't have a problem like admitting my faults. Like I was just like, I'll admit my faults. Here they are on the table. Here they are. This is what I did wrong. Right now, what I need you to do is admit your faults. And it, it would be like, 
Yeah, well, she would eventually admit something. She she did graduate from not admit anything um, being her fault, but she would graduate to like, well, I'm sorry, but if you wouldn't have done this, 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 and this, then then I wouldn't have done it. So right. ultimately, if you wouldn't have, if you would have just done ABC, then I wouldn't have done it, and then things would have been good. So I would still turn around and blame him and say, like, everything was all his fault. And so ultimately, he was the one who needed to work on things and not me. I was like, it's him. It's not me. I'm not the one with the issues. You are. And so we're going to really talk about this today. And we're going to frame a couple of, like, main points and to have we really understand. And one is going to be, like, we're going to talk about, like, what is fair. Like, we're going to really talk about fair in general. And then we're going to be talking about, like, why you should want to work on it too, even if you don't think that you're the problem. Yes. And one of the things that like comes up here also, what happened was like we would, we would get in arguments and disagreements and like things would come up and like all these things would rehearse over and over and over and over again with problems and then create new problems and all these things. It just be a continuous emotional roller coaster. But one of the things that would really be annoying is just wouldn't see I would be seen as like the, the bad guy uh, the bad guy not just by her but by all the stories that she crafted about her being the angel and the big person and yeah all of this and, and then you would I would end up being looking like the the problem now to most people and that society in society first thing people are going to label that is what narcissistic or bipolar or I labeled it bipolar I didn't really even look into narcissism until she labeled me one. And I was like, oh, wait, no, she's one. Right. Like, and so like when it came to that, I would be like, you know, she acts one way around, around me. And then the whole world gets a completely, you know, angel version. I use air quotes here of her. Yeah. And so I'm not going to lie. So in me and my darkest hour, I had dealt, I had told Tommy so many times that he was the one with the issues. I'm like, I'm not the one with the issues. You are, you're the jealous one. You're the one who keeps freaking out. You're the one who wants to keep pro- causing problems. You want to keep talking about crap. Like you want to keep bringing it up. You want to throw everything in my face. You know, you're not leading the family. You know, I'm like, I'm not the problem. Clearly you are. And because I was at the time, like I was doing everything. Like in my mind, like I was doing everything. I took care of the kids. I worked. I took care of the household. You know, I was managing Tommy's emotions to make sure I gave him everything he wanted to make sure he was happy. You know, I was doing all of these things and I even had my circle and it's a, this is a key point. Like I even had my circle validating that I was the awesome one circle full of victims. (laughs) And it was like, I, you know, I was the awesome one. I took care of everything. I worked really hard. You know, I took, I, I just did so much and he was the one who needed to step up. And that's what, you know, from the outside and reality is people were validating my trauma response of just do it myself. And like that, it's a trauma response. Like it is what it is. Like this whole stepping up and like, oh, I'm just going to do it myself and I can take care of everything and I don't need anyone. And I'm going to do all of these things. And I, oh, I got this. That's a trauma response. And, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that. And, you know, I most certainly didn't, but it was, And so society was validating that trauma response and they were demeaning his trauma response of shutting down. So, you know, he would shut down. So then he wasn't doing things. And and don't, don't get me wrong. Like both are toxic. Yeah. Both are toxic. Both like just as much as like what she was doing, being a beta male is completely toxic. 
They, yeah, they're both. And they're both trauma responses. They're both unhealthy, meaning we were both unhealthy individuals. We're going to talk more about that in a minute for sure. But it's just so important to know. And so, you know, obviously like, we speak from our own story. And so even though from the outside looking in, it looked like it wasn't like I wasn't the problem. I, I was like, I still played a role and they both were, un, we both were unhealthy individuals. Yeah. It's plain and simple. Yeah. And it's, you know, let's, let's talk about fair for a minute. So mm-hmm. is let's life, is life fair? No, it's not no. freaking fair. <laughs> Get over it. It's not fair. Nothing in life is fair. So this whole like how childhood, they're like, oh, we got to be fair. And that's about the only time like things are fair. But things like life's not fair. We're all everyone gets a participation trophy. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not what it's not life. You know, we're all dealt a different hand. It no, it's not fair. It's not fair that some kids grow up without any parents. Some kids grow up in single parents homes. Some kids, you know, have to fight for their own food. Like some, some kids like have like no electricity, you know, there's so different variations of like what, like the different hands that we are dealt, like life in general, isn't fair. Yeah. Life isn't fair. You know, like I didn't grow up with some silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't grow up like with parents that were billionaires or whatever. Like I, no, I didn't, I didn't grow up like that. Right. But you know, I created a life, (laughs) right? So there's different things here. Like you have to understand, like life is not fair, but you are responsible for what you end up in. Absolutely. And cause we all have the same amount of like time, like time is like, you know, and you have the choice of what you're going to choose to do. You can choose to stay in your situation or you can choose to take different action. You can choose to learn and grow or not. But a huge key area we need to address here is if you are living by whether things are fair or not, that is solely based on a limited perspective and mostly feelings. This is a feelings-based statement. Well, that's not fair. Like you think about it, like think about kids and this is one of the best things. One's gonna be screaming, that's not fair. I want that too. They got the bigger half of the cookie. They got, they got that toy. I want that toy. And it's, you know, it's feelings based. And honestly, if we let our feelings lead us, you can expect chaos. So if you let your feelings lead you, don't be shocked when you have chaos in your life. That's what you're setting yourself up for. Our feelings are not meant to be our decision maker. We are not to be bossed around by our emotions. That's not what our feelings are for. Yeah. And and to to be very clear, we're not saying ignore feelings. Nope. Right. That's not what we're saying. That's what the military does oftentimes is ignore feelings, law enforcement, all that stuff. What we're talking about is processing feelings. Mm-hmm. Big difference. We're talking about processing feelings. And to be clear, I'm very thankful for all those branches and military and all that. I just, not not for me. But like. We appreciate your service. Yeah, we do get a lot of people, as a side note, a lot of people from the military, law enforcement, paramedics, firefighters. And a very thank- well, I'm very thankful for them. They're one of the biggest industries for marriage issues. Because they don't know how to handle their emotions, right? And they're just suppressed. But back to this whole aspect of like feelings aren't meant to be like our decision maker because this is such a big aspect. Like, you know, you can feel cheated because you didn't get what you thought you should out of some out of something or out of a situation. Well, I deserve more or well, I should have got this or why did they get that promotion or why did they get this? No, I deserve it. And honestly, those expectations, those frustrated expectations lead you down bad emotional paths. Unchecked emotions are truly like a spoiled child. They're always demanding satisfaction, satisfaction 
And it's like, oh, okay. So these unchecked emotions will be like, come out like tantrums, like anger, aggression, all of those types of things. And truly you're missing the bigger picture and it causes more damage. Yeah. Also like there's, when we say unchecked emotions, we don't mean put them in a box and stuff them down. Like unchecked emotions also means like not processing deep rooted beliefs, unchecked emotions, you know, and, and unchecked really life, mm-hmm. honestly, is what results in this because emotions aren't meant to necessarily be stuffed in a box. They're meant to flow through you in a healthy way, but you can't necessarily just do that by just letting them air out. Like that's not how it works. No, no, no. You cannot just air them out. Right. And so, you know, vomiting on someone. Yeah, it's terrible, right? And, you know, emotions can demand immediate attention and they want what they want when they want it. They're just like, oh, I want it now, you know? And no, like that's not what we are living our life like, right? Just because your heart feels something doesn't make it true. So many times, you know, this is a huge misperception. People are like, oh, I just feel it like in my heart. Like I just, mm." no, your heart lies. Your, your heart is it lies. It's shaped by your experiences in a tainted lens of the world. It's not based on a healthy or a godly perspective at all. Yeah. So like this plays a role in a lot, a lot of different areas, like almost every area, to be honest, like, like when it comes to like guiding by your heart, like people say these stupid statements, like just follow your heart and what it tells you to do. You really no. know what it, you nearly, you really know what to do is just look deep inside your heart. That's the dumbest advice I've ever heard in my life. And that person, I'm sorry, even though they may care about you is an idiot. So like you need to make sure to honestly like not live by feelings. Cause that's the same thing and live by principles while taking care of your feelings because living by emotions and really following your heart, your heart's deceptive. Like for example, like, Yes, you can have gut instincts like when it comes to like, is your spouse cheating on you? That can be right. Um, but a lot of times it's the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes like the gut instinct, like she was saying, is the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference between the two. We can go down another topic. Um, but a lot of the times that stuff's wrong, right, too. Right. I was wrong a lot. I was also right when it came to the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know how to judge the difference between the two. It's a whole other topic. Maybe another podcast will do. But, yes. but that being said, like following your heart. Like, I'm just following happiness. I'm going to get a divorce. I'm tired of being unhappy. We're not telling you to stay in unhappiness. We're telling you to fix what you're in. Yes. Right? You have to guard your heart. You know, you have to guard your heart, which is your thoughts and your emotions. Like, that's what that means. And you you, you can't let them lead you because if you let your heart lead you, it will derail you. You know, those statements of like, I felt it, so it must be true. Faith isn't a feeling. It's a knowing. You know, living by principles and values is very different than living by feelings. Like, no, like your your feelings will lead you astray. The Bible is very clear out on that. It says like not to follow your heart because your heart's deceptive, right? Like don't do that. Like it doesn't say do what you feel like. It says no, like if that's not what it says at all. Yeah. So let's let's use a moment of vulnerability here. We did, we're going to conference, uh, amen conference. If you don't go, you should freaking go. But we were thinking past number, <laughs> like a week or so here, maybe a couple of weeks debating on not going. We just had a lot going on from spending a lot of money in like moving into their new house, taxes, like everything. And so like, it was just, we're like, we really are at this point tired of spending. We're tired of going. We're tired of, it was not even, not even spending. We were just tired of on moving. the run, like, the run. Like, we just wanted to relax. Right. And then hiring people and whatnot. So there's just been a lot going on. 
And we're like, you know, we did a list of pros and cons. What we found out was, was that all of the cons were just feelings, feelings and hard stuff. Like it was just hard. Right. And so what we did was like, you know what? Screw this. I told her, I was like, you know, what? screw this. We're going to freaking go because that's what we need to do. Like we need to go because we need to like do this. That's what yes and amen means. Ironically, because, you know, amen conference stands short for yes and amen. Yes. Whatever's next God. You know, we don't live by feelings. We live by principles and values. That's one of our values in our business. And even we fall, you know, victim to stuff like that because of our own choices. But we chose to rise and swing over to what we call informed optimism into our tools, our tactics, things that we've learned, strategies, and to use that stuff to really swing into a positive direction. But we didn't end up living by living by feelings at the end of the day. Right. And this, you can't live by feelings. You just, you have to take care of them. You have to understand them. And that's a whole nother topic of how people don't understand their emotions. You know, thankfully, like we do and our clients do, but you know, you, you can't let your feelings guide you at, at all, but you can. So instead of just like thinking like, oh, things have to be fair. Like faith, is, that's not what faith is. Faith is knowing that God's going to work out everything for your good. So whether like all, all things, so yes, what you're going through right now sucks. Yes. Having marriage problems is one of like the worst things you can possibly go through. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But God will work it out for the good as long as you're taking like, you know, you have to do your part. Like God, God can't snap his fingers, but he wants you to and wants you to actually take action. Whole different aspect there. But, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 did truly carry me through like our own darkest hours. And, you know, so, you know, that's you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And, you know, I clung to that. And that was one of the things that truly carried me through. And then... Hold on. Let's pause for a second. If you keep reading in there, it doesn't say according to your preferences, according to your feelings. It doesn't say any of that. No. Uh, God cares about your emotions and your feelings. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gave them to you. But it's not according to that stuff for your preference. It's according to his purpose for your life. That's it. And... It, it, it is. And read the next few lines too. Like I was, uh, you know, I, I had always just wrote, read 29, 11 and I was like, no, oh, you know, the next several lines really go along with it. And I, you know, I don't have that verbatim for you today. Like go look it up, spend some time in your Bible to see what I'm talking about. But, you know, talking about just like when you truly seek God, when you truly put your heart in it and, you know, seek him that he will, he'll be there. He will let you find him. Like he is there waiting as you truly seek him. And, you know, that's just a big aspect that helped carry me through. But the big aspect here is like life won't be fair. It never will be fair. You know, we live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. And that's just the type of world we live in. We don't live in paradise. We're not dead yet. So if you're like want everything to be fair, well, be careful what you wish for because like that's heaven. Like things like heaven is different, you know, but here like we live in a fallen sinful world. Things are not fair. Never will be. However, you know, you can be the one to change generations to come. You can be the one to change your family tree. If you have a family history of divorce, you have a family history of like all these things going on. Like we get it. Mm-hmm. We were the ones, you know, like Neo in the Matrix. If you haven't watched it. You're missing. I don't know what you're doing. But like we've, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, like it's you have the power to be the one. Like I heard this concept from Ed Milet, and it's one of those things that is very, very, very true. It's just most people are not willing to do what it takes to be the one most people spend their life 
they say they live outside their comfort zone. And most people don't like me saying this. Most people, you will probably tune out right now. But if you're if you're a fixed mindset, sure, you'll tune out. And you'll never get anywhere in life. But, like, when it comes to, like, you know, people that are growth mindset, I commend you for staying. That being said, though, like, people spend most of their life saying, oh, I live outside my comfort zone. But when it really comes down to the wire, like, to the wire, they're not. They just spend their life dipping their big toe in the pool and be like, oh, that's cold. Oh, that's cold. I'm living on the edge, right? No, jump the heck all in. That's that's living, right? And, you know, you can't expect to have an abundance of God's blessings in your life and all this stuff when you're just tiptoeing around it. So let's talk about why should you work on it? Like, why should you, even though, you know, so we talked about things being fair and unfair, like, but why should you work on it if you're not the one, you know, if you were like, if you were in my position and you're like, it's them, it's not me. I've been, you know, and I was reading books too. Let me clarify. So at the time, like I was reading books, I read things like the love dare and love languages. I hate, hate <laughs> the love dare. So Such a stupid concept for all the people that recommend it. Don't it. It's you can't just do nice things and expect like to fix the problems. <laughs> it, you're still the same person. That's a whole different aspect. And that actually breeds a lot of codependency and a lot of like suppressing yourself, built up resentment. So it leads on to a whole bunch of different aspects. We're not going to truly dive into that right now, but I just wanted to clarify of, you know, I was quote unquote, what I thought was working on myself at the time. So, you know, I just wanted to point that out. So, you know, but why should you be the one to truly invest into your marriage to make changes to influence your spouse if they're not willing to work on things, why should you make change? Like what, like why, you know? So one, not only did we just cover like what we just covered about fair and how that led by, you know, living by feelings and, you know, we're not to be led by feelings. So number one, like you shouldn't be making your decisions based on feelings. You should make them based on principles and values. Ever. Even when being led by God, it's very even rarely led by feelings. And when I say feelings, I don't even really mean feelings here. When it's being led by God, it's led by the Holy Spirit. That's not being led by feelings. The Holy Spirit, just like God, because he's the same three three people in one, right? Same thing. Doesn't operate off feelings. They operate off principles and values because those don't change, right? So it's oftentimes like, no, it's not logical um, because to us, because we don't under, it's logical to God, but it's not logical to us because he sees the full picture. But, you know, when it comes down to it, like it's going to be based on principles and values. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so that's number one, right? Of you, obviously, we just talked about we don't live by feelings, live by values and principles. But you're like, okay, okay, Desnica and Tommy, I hear you guys. I hear what you're saying. But I've been doing this for like five years or, 20, or like 10 years. 20 years, 50 years. 20 years, 50 years. Exactly. You know, 100 years, and, 10 billion and years. I'm ready for my happiness. Like, I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I'm not supposed to live by my feelings. Yeah, yeah. But I'm tired. I'm really freaking tired of this. This has been going on for way too long. And I am ready for my own happiness. Like, I, I'm ready to matter. Like, I'm ready to have, like, my, my happiness. Like, I'm ready to live a different life. Most likely here, what has happened, though, what I will really say is a lot of people think they've worked on things think they've done things, but really they've just relied on tools and tactics at the bare most, probably, or minimum. And one of the things there is that that's not going to get you anywhere. It's just tools and tactics. So 
you know, you've been working on things, and I use air quotes here, but like really you haven't done anything to really change the situation from our perspective. And honestly, one of the things to note here is happiness is an inside job. Happiness is an internal thing. It is not dependent upon your spouse. And, you know, this took me a while because I did truly, but like, I was like, Tommy, like, I'm like, you're supposed to make me happy. I was like, and you suck at this. Like you're failing, like step it up, like make me happy. I did suck at it because I'm not meant to do it. <laughs> and like he also, he cannot fulfill my happiness. Like my happiness does not come from Tommy. And that statement alone, like if you say things like that, that statement alone says, hey, that actually you do have things that you need to work on because you don't have that true understanding. You're not a healthy individual, which no, this is not an attack on you. It's an awareness. Like this is where we were too, but we have to first have that awareness and we have to be honest with ourselves. So this is you, it's, that's fine. Acknowledge it. Now you can know and take action steps. And so that's the difference. And you, you want to have that awareness to create the change. And, you know, so if you have those statements of, you know, well, like I'm ready for my happiness and, you know, I'm tired of this and that with my spouse, like, okay, well, it is time for you to work on things to have control over your own life instead of allowing everyone else to dictate how you show up. I'm going to find my happiness. Happiness isn't something you find. It's, it's already here, right here inside of you. You cultivate it. You don't find it. That's right. Right. You don't find happiness. It's not something found. You didn't lose it. You just don't know how to cultivate it or grow it. And so let's take another step forward here. So, okay, let's just say you were to wash your hands of this relationship. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really care what y'all say. Like, I want to live by my feelings and... I'm going to do me. And I'm going to do me. (laughs) Hand movements in the air. Like, I'm going to do me with hand on my hip. Uh, You know, it's been 20 years now and I'm done. Like, whatever it may be. You're like, okay, so you ignore our first few points. You're like, okay, whatever. I'm going to choose to wash my hands and and move on to find my happiness in another relationship. You know, someone who, who actually wants to be with me and who can treat me the right way. Okay, so first of all, that's... That's one, you are seeking to fill your happiness with an external earthly thing, which can only be fulfilled for so long. It's not actually fulfilling anything. And in fact, it'll create that void to be bigger. And so whether you're running into another relationship or just into like another hobby or work that happens a lot or turning into like your kids, it's all it is, is running from your problems. It's not actually fixing anything and it's setting you up for a bigger failure later on in life. Yeah, you'll experience bliss. I'll be honest with you. If you meet someone that you love and you have that Eros love for them at first and it's all nice and fun and you'll experience that at first, it'll be so nice. And you'll be like, I can't believe, I can't believe, you know, I this is what, you know, I'm supposed to be treated like. This what is I was what, missing. This is what I've been missing all this long. And and you may be married for, you get married and you may be married for, you know, a couple years year, five, 10 years, whatever. But eventually it will fail. And worse. It will fail. I guarantee it. And I'll be here waiting. Told you, I told you so. It will fail. In the re- so let's talk about why, right? Like, okay, you're like, well, that just seems harsh. Well, it is. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this whole aspect. You have to realize that marriage problems are not only one person. This was really, really hard for me to understand. I'm not going to play. and like, I can't lie. I truly thought that all of our marriage problems was Tommy. I was like, he's the problem. And I managed everything and I did all these things. I got things done. And I'm like, I'm not the problem you are. But I had my own issues to work on. They were just drastically different than Tommy's. But I had my own 
issues. And we're going to talk about how that plays out in relationships too. But just recognize that, you know, just running from your problems, not actually fixing anything, you're going to carry all of this baggage from this relationship into the new one. You're going to be seeking validation that you weren't getting from someone else. In the moment that they don't fulfill your happiness or they don't meet an expectation, things are going to start compounding and stacking and it's going to be growing over time. And that crash is going to be a lot worse than the first crash. Also, what you also have to understand is you're not the only one that's doing that. The person, whoever you met, because oftentimes people do this and like meeting people in an affair, honestly, before they, even the marriage ends. But like they end up like going to that. And so, you know, you you're going to they're going to bring problems in the relationship too, and their own issues. And it's just going to. Yeah, it's just going to fail. I hate to say that. The cycle continues. And so let's talk about why. Because this was, you know, this is another important aspect to recognize here. You know, when you're not a healthy individual, which our society does not teach us how to be healthy individuals, for the, for the record. So don't be like, oh, well, I'm healthy. Like, no, that doesn't mean eating right and working out. Or just, <laughs> just reading your Bible or just going to church. Those are like or bare, being nice. Those are like bare minimums. <laughs> like that doesn't mean you're healthy. I know some of the nicest people, but that they're not healthy at all. Like they're not, they're not truly healthy emotionally and mentally. Like they're just not. And because they weren't taught, right? But let's talk about how relationships really form. So those who are broke want fixers. They end up, so broken people who feel broke want to be with someone who's a fixer. That way it, like they fill the voids, right? The fixer is getting their validation and like feeling wanted. So like, okay, like I feel like I feel wanted, I'm needed. So they have their own set of issues. Like I'm valuable. I'm valuable. And they are getting their fulfillment from the broke person. And the broke person is feeding off the fixer. So you have two unhealthy individuals who are feeding off of each other. One broke, one the fixer. You also have those who are immature who want a parent. So many often, and you know, it's like the immature men who want mothers and, you know, so then it it just turns out to be that I'm tired of parenting him. And then later in the relationship years down, it's like, she's always mothering me, but it's the immaturity. (laughs) It's the immature men who end up in those situations and, you know, in the immature people, because it's not just men, right? In that aspect, I just am speaking on, on my side, but those, those who are lazy, want enablers, right? So then you have like lazy and enablers. They feed off of each other and they attract to each other because they're seeking their validation within each other. Yeah, those are who those who are insecure want puppets. Want someone who is who is more insecure to seek and basically seeking validation. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like they want this and they'll be perceived as like, you know, power like they want to be powerful. They want to be the center of attention, all those things, probably called narcissists, all this stuff. But those who are insecure, it's it, honestly, it's just insecurities. Like it's, it's insecure at the core of it. It's all these different things. And there's other things too, besides that, but there's insecure stuff. And then, you know, they want, they want to, to come out like looking like, like the good person. They want to come out looking like the person that knows stuff and to build their confidence. False. It's a false sense of confidence. Yeah. And regardless, so all of these things, whether you're the broke fixer, immature or the parent, the lazy, the enabler, you know, the insecure one, it doesn't matter. So you are in this relationship because of something within yourself was attracted to that void, seeking that validation in the other person. This happens all the time, all the time. All of them 
are different types of trauma responses. Every single one of them are a different type of trauma response. One is not better than the other. One is not worse than the other. They all are very unhealthy individuals in Hey, call it what you whatever you want. I hear people call it all the time like, oh, well, I'm just this attachment style or oh, this is just, you know, I'm just a like, was it the empath empath attachment style? Like, yeah, that people call it like so it's like oh, oh my god, there's no, a label for everything. There now. is a label for everything and call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it, label it whatever you you want. At the end of the day, it's an unhealthy individual who doesn't know how to take care of their own self and they are seeking validation and they are being reliant upon another individual and seeking that validation in some sort of way to fill a void from the past to be and also to be clear here when we say like whether you're a people pleaser whether you're the immature whether you're the lazy whatever it is we don't want you to take that we're just saying that that's something you're doing that's not who you are. that's not who you are i can't stand a lot of these people out there that are gurus and i use like air quotes here that post stuff like this because if they don't add this in, people will use this as, like she was just saying, this is my attachment style. They, they attach people or craving identity. And that's one of the core issues. But, like, you have to understand, like, people will attach their freaking identity to this. And people will wear it. Like, we did a call, a client call, like a big group client call on people pleasing the other day, last Thursday. And uh, one of the things was, like, you know, people were amazed on how, on all the different people pleasing stuff, but people will wear people pleasing like a badge of honor. Well, yeah. You like know, all these different things. It's don't do that. And so the whole, the narcissist, the people pleasing all, they are all different types of, you know, just habits and like those, like filling those voids and you're seeking validation from someone else. So if you find yourself with a quote unquote narcissist, there is something within you that put yourself in that relationship and you're still both unhealthy individuals and they're not truly like narcissists that as like who they are. They just have issues that they don't know how to be a healthy individual. Just like you don't know either, you know, yeah. it's what you don't know. And we're driven by our subconscious but 95% of you is your subconscious. And the programming that is done is between the age of like four to 12-ish. It's typically where, you know, what, like the beliefs, everything that drives your life happens typically between the age of four to 12. And then, you know, traumatic events later on in life also add to invalidate and reshape your subconscious too. But the bulk of what runs you happens between four and 12. Yeah, and to say people don't, or like kids aren't affected by things, like or they're resilient, is ridiculous. That just so, proves it right there. So when it comes down to this type of stuff, like you have to understand, like no, you know, kids are not resilient. And also another point here that I wanted to make is like she mentioned narcissists while ago. We don't really believe in that. I mean, mm -hmm. there, yes, sure, there are some disorders like bipolar is a real disorder. Narcissism is a real disorder. Does everyone have it? No, <laughs> like unless you've had like an EEG done and you actually see the brain waves and different things that have the disorder and mental disabilities and stuff like that, then no, you can't diagnose anyone like that. Just Stop. talking and Stop labeling people. The only one allowed to label anyone or me or anyone is your creator. God, that's it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I, I love the point you bring up, Tommy, about how kids are not resilient. And, you know, we, we're, we're going to have to talk about that completely on a different podcast. But, you know, we just said that your programming is between the four to four to twelve. So how can you tell me kids are resilient and are not affected when everything that's going to program them for the rest of their life is developed mainly within that time frame? 
Yeah. You cannot freaking tell me that they're resilient when that is creating the foundation that's going to run them. Everyone we coach, hundreds and hundreds of people, all of them have issues, whether it's mild or extreme from childhood. Mm-hmm. And no, not everything goes back to this. No, <laughs> like, just like- be clear. We're not, it's not a, it's not a one thing fix. Like not everything goes back to this stuff. I'm just saying. So like, just don't, don't attach to that. And, and let's just clarify one thing. Don't be like, oh, well, I didn't have a bad childhood. So you can't be talking about me. Well, great. Like, I'm glad you didn't have some crazy traumatic, you know, childhood, you know, like that's cool. Like Tommy didn't have like an extremely crazy traumatic childhood. No. You know, I did. I mean, but that, and I have, didn't have the worst childhood either. I know so many people who had things worse than I did. Regardless, it doesn't mean that you didn't perceive events a certain way. It doesn't mean that things didn't impact you differently. You know, we're all created so uniquely that everything that happens, like we perceive it different and we process it different and it's going to carry a different limiting belief in your subconscious. So you don't, it doesn't matter if you didn't go through some crazy traumatic event, you still had events that came in that programmed your subconscious in a negative way that has been limiting you since that time. And, you know, it happens from so many different events. You know, it could be from just like your parents expecting you to be perfect or to meet good grades or, you know, like, oh, we had a great home. But like my my sibling picked on me and bullied me. But, you know, it was just normal childhood things. OK, well, the, I don't care if it's like, quote unquote, normal. That doesn't mean that that's not some aspect driving you. Yeah. Everyone, everyone has deep rooted toxic beliefs, no matter how mild or great your childhood was or extremely bad it was. Everyone has things, not only from childhood, but from adult years and teenage mm-hmm. years and everything. A lot of things can shape, even your relationship can shape your reality and beliefs. So there's there's things that happen, and we just want to make sure you understand that. But everyone has problems. Absolutely. <laughs> Part of, you know, why you're in a bad relationship, it's something within you put you there in that position. And I'm going to, like, you know, we're just going to be very bold and tell you that. And, like, it's the truth, and does it suck to hear that? Yes. But at the same time, what really sucks is that it's our society that doesn't truly teach us these things. They teach you to be victims. And like, oh, it's everyone else's fault or it's not your fault. And no, it's not your fault that you did, didn't know. But that doesn't change the fact of like you're, you did play a part and you have things to work on and things that you have to learn, things you have to grow in. You know, that that's your responsibility, especially once you hear this and you have this awareness, it now it is 100% your responsibility because you know now you have to take a different action. Yeah, and also, like, just to be clear, we're not saying that you're responsible for everything in the relationship. Just to be clear. they Whatever they did, they're 100% responsible for. No, you didn't make them cheat. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't care what you did. I don't care if you didn't give them sex, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. They made the choices they made the choices just like you've made your own choices. Everybody is 100% responsible for everything they create or allow in their life. So, you know, a hundred percent of it. Like, and even if you got raped as a kid or something like that, no, you're not responsible for that, but you're responsible for overcoming it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yes. And you know, it really does suck that our society doesn't teach us what a healthy individual is by the time we get so much crap shoved down our throat in society by the time kids are in high school they're walking around freaking lost emotionally mentally 
they're confused. They don't know who they are. They don't know like how to understand them, but heaven forbid, you know what an obtuse triangle is. And like, you know, like that's a priority, but (laughs) you can tell you paid attention in school. Just kidding. But you know, that's something like they hound on for months. Geometry was not my strong suit or my favorite whatsoever. However, like, they, they shoved all these other things like down like uh, agendas and things, but they don't teach you what an actual healthy individual is. There is such a lack on what emotional, mental, like what does it mean to be a healthy individual? How do you understand yourself? There is so much missing in this aspect. And like, that's the aspect that sucks. You know, is it is it fair that we are not taught these things? Like, no, like it's it's not. But like, this is where like, okay, like, no, it's not fair. But what am I going to do about it? Am I going to just sit and sulk about it? Or am I going to actually take action to learn these things, to step up, to change my life, to change the generations? I'm so thankful for what we went through and like where we are now, because we do get to have that change. You know, we are not like, we're not the same people whatsoever we were uh, in our darkest hour. Not and even close. We are so different, um, such different people now than what we were. And like, we get to be that change. And so our kids, you know, they they are being taught these things. They're being taught how to be an emotionally intelligent child, you know, so they can be an emotionally intelligent adult. They're, they're understanding like the mental aspects and understanding themselves and how to process and not be reliant and filling voids through other people. And, you know, like that's something that you should desire to learn to teach your kids. That's so much more important than getting a college education because you can have a college education and still fail in life and still lose everything. And, have just such a massive void it's like success isn't about just money like not only like that aspect but you should want to inspire to like have your kids to be healthy individuals yeah i mean we get people that come to us that are millionaires that are having issues like this so it's not it's not it's not like money is going to fix it now we're not against making money all for it talks about over two thousand times in the bible about wealth and prosperity Mm -hmm. 100% for it. Jesus says we are. But like when it comes to these types of things, like no college is not going to fix these things for kids. You'd be better off teaching them and helping them because they learn through, you know, more is caught than taught. And so like for me, like my kids didn't become a healthy individual by my schooling. Like I have like a, and by the way, if you come to us for like our, our certifications or qualifications, don't like, I have, a, I have a few things, but like, not like that. I have like a 1.7 GPA. I'm very, very proud of, but like, you know, you don't want to, um, just rely on those things. You want to teach them because more is caught than taught and you don't want to teach them quitting is okay. And running away from your problems is okay. And that, you know, they're all the problem. That's not, that's so immature. You right? want to, you want to be able to teach them like true growth and how to have maturity within themselves. There's just so much. So, you know, None of what we have shared is to beat you up today. You know, I 100% own where I was. And and it was hard. It was really hard for me to to say, you know, that I had a role in our marriage issues too. You know, um, codependency is something that we didn't mention earlier, but like it's an, it's an action, like it's actions. It's not a label, you know, along with narcissists. Like they, they all kind of go, but, I, you know, I had a lot of bad character traits. I had a lot of things that within myself – and I needed help. And when we talk about help, it, we're not talking about counseling. Don't go to counseling oh, just to fix Jesus, these things. Jesus, please don't. Um, you're like, okay, so now I have this awareness that, I, and I, so I'll go to counseling. So going to counseling, you're just going to be talking about these things, and you're still not going to actually fix anything. 
You actually need to take action steps forward and to overcome the past. And you don't want to be validated on like, oh, yes, understand, like, and just talk about it. Like, no, you need action steps. But I just wanted to be very vulnerable with you guys and let you know, like, you know, this was me. And it was a lot of pride. There was so much fear. It, it was actually, there was a lot of self, like, low self-confidence because how, how can, I can't make a mistake. You know, there was so much going on within me that was driving my behavior. But let me just tell you, like, it was chaotic. It was stressful. I was always on edge. Like, I didn't have an internal peace. And, like, my happiness was dependent upon everyone else. But let me just tell you, like, I cannot even describe the peace that I have now. There's just literally not the true words to describe the peace that I now carry. And I have with this choice. And it was a choice. I had to make the choice to work on our marriage. I had to, to make the choice to stand, even though, you know, at the time I thought he was the only problem. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll work on me. And I did it. I said it very sarcastic. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of sarcasm that came out um, in, in my aspect. But when, you know, he wasn't willing to work on things, I still took, I was like, all right, well, fine, I, I will. And in that aspect, I had to do a lot of my own growth in so much. And now we are in the place we are in now because of those like starting action steps. So the whole like, it only takes, it takes two to save a marriage thing. No. Takes one to save it. Two to have it. Right. Um, it only takes one to save it initially. And, you know, we want we want to see you step into your full potential of who God called you to be. We want you to experience true peace, joy, happiness from an internal place and from him. Things that you are responsible for creating. Just be clear about that. And by the way, like when it comes down to these things, um, here's the thing. If you choose not to fix it now, and let's just say it's infidelity, that's your choice. The Bible gives you a way out. But at the end of the day, it can all in most marriages and most things can be fixed. And if you choose not to, to be honest, it's just a result of one thing, a fixed mindset, which is the most toxic trait you'll ever see or to ever exist on the planet. So ask yourself, do I have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Because if you have a fixed mindset, well, no one can help you. And unfortunately, it's not what you do know that hurts you the most. It's what you don't know. We talk to so many people all the time. They're like, oh, I'm doing everything I can. And I'm like, I know, but that's that's the problem. It's you're doing everything you know how when our society doesn't teach these things. No, you can't just Google all these things. That like, No, like there's so much like to it. You, you just don't know. And it's what the knowledge you don't have that is hurting you. You know, and so, yes, there's different action steps you can take. Yes, there's a whole lot more out there. Yes, you can have internal peace. Yes, you can have a healthy marriage, but it's going to be dependent upon whether you're going to take that change, whether you're going to have that growth mindset, whether you're going to take action or not. And we just really hope that you take, you know, the message that we had for you today and truly reflect and have some true honesty within yourself and then take action. But as always, we love you. Of course, God loves you more than you ever know. And we want to see you save your marriage. So have a blessed day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Now that's all we have for today's show. And remember, prayer without action is just dead faith. So make sure to implement everything you learn here today from today's show. 
By the way, hope you enjoyed this episode on the Marriage 2.0 podcast. And if you did, please make sure you share this episode on your social media and tag at Tommy and Desnica. And if you did enjoy it, make sure to subscribe to the Marriage 2.0 podcast and give us a five-star rating. However, listen, most importantly, so many people are at the end of their ropes, crying themselves to sleep every night. And we can only spread our message and story so far here. So we need you to make sure that you really share the knowledge with others that really need it so that we can impact them. Yes. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So make sure to join our free Facebook group, Christian Marriage Coaching for support, daily content, and free trainings to help you go from roommates to teammates. Have an amazing day and God bless.